Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory. At the best in the business, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, key routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Reese Davis of ESPN. In a moment, first of all, the Phils went in a walk-off last night in our play-by-play call of the day. Two balls and no strikes. The pitch. Way inside, got away from Chirinos, and here comes Knapp. He'll score, and the Phillies have just won it. On a ball that gets away from Robinson Chirinos, it's a 6-5 to five walk-off win. Changes the balance of power. No, I guess it doesn't. All right, um, but that doesn't. Okay, it's all right. By the way, Susan Waldman could not do the Yankee game last night. That's right. So our good friend was on for the fill My old friend, State College's own, Sweeney Murdy. That's right. And he was excellent. last night. No surprise. Great guy. Great baseball mind. Thrilled for him. He was sitting next to John Sterling and going from there. So happy for him. All right. Reese Davis, one of the best in the business. Great respect for him, his work. ESPN College Game Day is here this week, and we welcome him to the show. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. I'm really looking forward to being back in State College and the wideout on Saturday night. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I know when Jack Ham and I broadcast Penn State games, we always talk about each game takes on its own personality. In some ways, does game day – each week take on its own personality and what does the venue mean to that personality? Well, we look at the crowd that shows up and the venue is almost being either the fifth or if we're five wide on the set, sixth yeah. <laughs> uh, member of, of the group. It's part of the show and, you know, it's, it really gives us a lot of energy to have a tremendous crowd in a great setting. Now, I thought that last year during the pandemic that our group, not only on the air but behind the scenes, did a great job in putting the show together, and we had uh, a really strong, really strong product, in my judgment. But when I would go back and review the shows, the soundtrack was missing. The the atmosphere was missing, you know, from having a show in an empty stadium. And I think that when you have tremendous crowds, as we've had the last two weeks, we had the best neutral side crowd that we've ever had in my seven years on the show in Charlotte for Georgia Clemson. And then the scene last week before the uh, Iowa-Iowa State game in Ames was just off the charts. And I expect that given the great crowds we've had at Penn State in the past, it'll be the same. And I think that it does. It 
it doesn't make us perform better. It doesn't change what we're going to say. But I do think that there's a genuine energy that comes through, hopefully through the camera and into people's living rooms at home, that that entices them to stick around to see what what's going to happen with the crowd, to see how the crowd's going to react, to feel the energy of that show. So uh, I agree. It, it does. It's, it's not that the shows are bad if you wind up a place that you've been, you know, yeah. been very often at an odd time and maybe the crowd's not as uh, numerous as you'd like, but or not as many people in there as you'd like. But when you have a great one, uh, there's, there's no doubt it certainly can take on a, a great characteristic. You do a lot of, obviously, your own research to get ready for this because, you're, you're to be honest, you're seamless for three hours sitting in that chair. Uh, I, I just have to get ready for two teams every week and one I'm around every single day. What does it take for you to make sure in a three-hour you're well-informed on each team that you personally talk about and how much help do you get in that preparation? Well, you're right. Most of it you have to do. You have to do the work. Yes. You know, but I do have. Uh, I do have great, a great research staff. Our stats and information group is, you know, just tremendous. And I have a researcher, uh, Marissa Dowling, who's been with us a couple of years, and she's worked with me in basketball. And she's she's amazing, and uh, she does that. And of course, we have. Even though Chris Velika is not per se just a researcher the bear has evolved into <laughs> you know into into something more than that yeah. you always have you always have uh you know chris's institutional knowledge that you can bounce ideas off of and uh you know who, who might be able to or, and not might he does he makes suggestions um about the content of the show more so than you know maybe my individual preparation but you you have you have people to aid that and support it and people to ask questions of. And, um, you know, it, I, I think that the best way to describe it is just sort of a, a lifestyle. I, I love this sport. You know, David Pollock and I do a podcast, and Pollock's been laughing at me uh, <laughs> because I told a story on the podcast about remembering watching the 1971 game of the century between Oklahoma and Nebraska. And I was five years old, yeah. but I, but I remember watching the game yep. and, and, and what it meant and, and different things like that. So I have a, I have a lifelong uh, relationship and passion for college football. So there's part of it that there's an institutional knowledge, but you do have to do the work each week to make sure you know, uh, you know, what storylines are, or teams that you're talking about, because it's not just you know it's not just a tape I might be doing. If if Desmond is doing one or Kirk is doing something, and they say something, and I might want to challenge it, or I might want to disagree with it. And I'm not talking about disagreeing with things like the proper footwork for a receiver right. to get his release. I'm not going to challenge Desmond on that. But Desmond and I can argue all day about whether a certain quarterback should be playing, whether a coach should have gone for it on fourth down, whether they should have gone for it instead of kicking a field goal. You know, I mean, those are those are reasonable debates that that you, you have to be ready for or, you know, or if you think a certain team is going to win, the other one's not because, you know, maybe he thinks their defensive line's weak and I think it's great. You know, I mean, I mean yeah. you know, those are sort of overly simplistic examples, but I think you know, uh, you, you follow what I mean. You have to have a functional knowledge of, 
uh, as many teams as possible. I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend to you that I can quote you the two deep on all 130 teams. I can't. Right, no. But, but you know, you have to have a real functional knowledge of as many teams as possible, and a lot of that preparation starts in the off season, and you, and you try to stay on. And I'm not sure how old you are. Oh no, you try to you, you was, try to stay on that George Jetson treadmill. Yeah. you know the one he has to run on, or he's going to fall and get sucked under. Yep. Once the season starts, you try to keep up by staying on that thing. I was so. I was 13 for the game of the century in 71, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. Do so you remember it well? Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I, I, followed, I didn't use this on the podcast, but actually in a text when Pollock, was, Pollock and I were really, really tight. We busted my chops a little bit, and I said, Davey, here, here's one that'll even really let you know how old I am. Uh, as you, you probably, I don't know if you know this or not, I went to school in Alabama, grew up an Alabama fan. Yeah, right. And 1971, there was also, it wasn't game of the century, but a battle of unbeaten at the end of the season between Alabama and Auburn. Right. Pat Sullivan from Auburn had won the Heisman Trophy. And the woman who was my babysitter, she and her husband were both Auburn alums, and she was really letting me have it. You know, that's the way it is in Alabama. <laughs> you, you tease a five-year-old, you know. Yeah. So I finally uh, told her I would bet her whatever she wanted. And somehow she came up with the sum of 35 cents, and I bet her on that game. And now this was a problem because gambling or of any sort, <laughs> even that, was frowned upon in the Davis household. So I was scared. Yep. Uh, but but I won the bet, and the winners played. Uh, Alabama and Nebraska played. Nebraska pummeled Alabama in the Orange Bowl, and the losers played in the Sugar Bowl. And Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma did about the same thing to Pat Sullivan and Auburn in the right. Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day too. What do you, do you remember? What you did with the thirty-five cents? I don't, but I rem- I just one of my clearest memories is you know you have these weird little snippets of memory. Yeah. You know, my mom dropped me off at her house on the following Monday morning before she went to work, and and just such a wonderful woman. Her name was Linda Aldridge. Yeah. And and she was standing at the door waiting on me and handed me my thirty five cents and gave me a big hug. Yeah. So you know, but I, I remember it was pitch dark outside because my mom, you know my mom was leaving for work. My dad was already gone to work. Yeah, and uh, it, I, I distinctly remember that thing. You talked about the ability to challenge or to draw mm-hmm. out information. How about that? From you know, when asking the right questions. How long did it take you in that host role to really understand the strengths that you could go to to each person on the set? And areas that you knew if you went there, you weren't going to get the best answer? Um, I don't know exactly how long it took, but I've got great guys I work with. And I've been doing this this thing for a long, oh, I know. A long time, as yeah. you know. And even dating back to the days when I was you know, with uh, Mark May and Trev Alberts in the studio, even before that with uh, Rod Gilmore and John McAvick, you know, way back in the day, one of the things that has to happen is that you have to um, establish credibility and maybe a better way to put it is establish trust yes. with the people that you're on the set with. And when you establish that trust, they know that you're not trying to play gotcha. They know that you're not trying to make them look bad. Um, and so, and so they, you know, they, are willing to be challenged. Uh, now, I have worked with a few analysts who aren't willing to be challenged. Right. Not very, not very long, to be honest. <laughs> right. But uh, but the 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 good ones always are. The great ones especially are. And you know, I've 
Jay Billis and I are are starting to. Uh, I think we've probably passed Mark May and me for one of the longest running television. Right. Sure, you know, host deals. We've been together a long time. Yeah, and I've worked together. You know. Uh, 16 years on game day and three or four years before that. So, we, you know, we're right around 20 years. There's no smarter guy in television. And yet, he is, he, you know, Jay always says reasonable minds can differ, but I'm right. You know, so, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know uh, he, he's not going to see this position easily, but he is, he is confident and strong enough and trusts me enough. He's willing to be challenged. Same thing, same thing with Kirk and, and Desmond and, and David. I think, you know, part of the, the deal with Pollock and me is that we worked together in the booth also on Thursday night yes. for a number of years. And, and really, you know, I learned from him. That guy is so smart about X's and O's yeah. and gets so excited. Like he was breaking down in the kitchen area of our conference room with me. We were, he was showing me something he had learned, a wrinkle that Chip Kelly had put in his running game and uh, the past, you know, going into this season. So excited to share that, um, you know. And then, you know, I I look at, you know, Kirk is very much like uh, they're they're very different personally, and they're very yeah. different in approach, but they're very uh, Kirk is very much like Jay in that you don't have to tell him what's coming. You know? right. yeah. I mean, he, you know, he he's got everything covered, and you know, he his instincts on the set are great. So I think I've, I've given you a really long winded answer, and I apologize for that, but. It's it's really about trust and and a non former player, but beyond being a sorry high school player's role, you've got to establish a little trust with them and let them know that um, not not in a you know a, a bragging kind of way or a, a haughty kind of way, but you've got to you've got to let them know that you're working at it. You know that, exactly. that you have an institutional functional knowledge that allows you to question them, then they have to have the trust that when you question them or challenge them, you're not doing it to try to, you know, pants them. You're doing it to to make them, or better yet, make the show better. And and this is something, there's a broadcasting class, sports broadcasting class I teach at Penn State, and because I broadcast the games with Jack Ham, and then basketball with Dick Girardi, who's a friend of Bears, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, I always tell them one of the most more important aspects of the job is yeah you're the play-by-play guy but listening because Mm -hmm. i'm going to learn something from jack every week on the game so i've got to listen i've got to learn something from dick in basketball every week you need to listen and it sounds like that's a key part of your job listening to the people you're working with you you have to because it needs to be conversational and if you're just waiting to get in your next fact or call the next play or get to your next lead. Yes. Now, there are times, you know, in the three-hour show when the producers, like, you know, we're seven minutes heavy. We got, you got, you got to move it. You know, you can't. You know, and then, you know, that, and by the way, that's not unusual with us because I'm a fan of the movie "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" And I, uh, use this, I, I use this term a lot. All of us have been endowed with the gift of gap. So we will, you know, we'll get heavy sometimes, and you have to let it go. Yeah. But, but. It, ha- it needs to be conversational, and to have a conversation, you have to listen. I know I'm running heavy with you, so I'll just one last question. I really appreciate your time. Have you started to establish what themes you want to work with this week? 
Um, you mean in, in terms of just the Penn State Auburn game uh, or overall? Uh, oh, maybe overall. I think you know because I already know what one of them is. I know one of them's the whiteout because Gene's doing that. But I mean, yeah. you know, But uh, uh, but just overall. I, I think one of the overall themes I think really plays into the Penn State Auburn game, and I'm not I'm not as into this whole uh, one conference better than another one thing, right. but. You can't ignore it because it it makes up the bulk of the schedules of the contenders. So, you know, if you get in a hole, as Ohio State has, for instance, right? If Penn State beats Auburn, then there's another opportunity for a really big game. And obviously, if Michigan continues to play well, another one, and so mm-hmm. on. But if Auburn wins the game, a team that is perceived to be, a, you know, a, a you know upper middle class of the SEC maybe, middle class or upper middle class depending on how they play. Mm-hmm. If they beat Penn State in Happy Valley, in a whiteout, Saturday night game, and they come in and win third game under their new coach, then it really it hurts. Like I think if you get teams in a cluster at the end of the season and you're evaluating them and what they've done, you know, you look at what they look like on tape and then you evaluate what they've done, it's going to be a little bit harder to really impress anybody in the Big Ten from what you've done. You know, and that's not a be-all, end-all. So I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying it's a, it's a factor, you know. And um, it's sort of the same thing with Michigan State-Miami, almost working both ways. You know, yes. Miami yeah. loses again. You know, what's, what do you make of the ACC? And if Michigan State loses to Miami, who hasn't looked great, a, another, you know, little issue for the Big Ten. So I think there are some themes like that that can be – that can be big picture, and then you know some of them are you just have opportunities to prove yourself. Um, Cincinnati uh, at Indiana, real chance to to prove itself. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are some of the things we're working on this week. Great respect, true pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Have a great call. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, so the uh, Nittany Lions take on Auburn Saturday night, 7.30, Beaver Stadium. We're on beginning at 6. And let's get to uh, John in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Steve, it's John Gross calling in. I love the show as always. And and as a broadcaster, I really appreciated your uh, previous discussion with Reese Davis. No, thanks, John. It's great to hear from you. You've done very well for yourself. 
Thank you. Thank you. We're having a great time down in Charlotte. I'm excited for uh, for this weekend. Set a quick question for you. Um, sure. Obviously, we hear uh, from a player's perspective, from a coach's perspective, what the whiteout's like. I'm curious uh, how broadcasting a whiteout differs from calling any other Penn State game. Uh, not too much, uh, to be honest with you. It's uh, more the drama of the entrance onto the field where the players run out and you've got the sea of white and so forth. Once the game starts, it's a game uh, in terms of broadcasting it. Uh, the crowd is louder, it's more energized and so forth. Uh, whenever they cause a false start, you then attribute it to the whiteout. You know, so you, you know, so you make references to it during the course of the game, but you also along the way, it's it, to be honest with you, people hate that I'm I'm so boring about these things, but it becomes a game. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Great to have you with us. Have a great call this weekend. Thanks, John. It's always great to hear from you. We're proud of you. All right. Something tells me that was recorded for something. <laughs> I've had to do a lot of these things today, to be honest with you. I also made a pledge that the last one I did was noon today, and I and um, and I told everybody I said I said that's the last one for the week. You want to know why? Kind of felt like I needed some time for myself. <laughs> to be honest with you, like maybe I'll go out and play around at golf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory, fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. If you want to go see an Orioles game, the price for a family of four is up 29.4% from 2019. They should be handing out tickets to see that team. I was going to say, the price is up, or I just said the price would be down. Nope. The only ones that are down are the Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Those two aren't surprising. No, in terms of, like, like prices down. Oh, the Angels are down as well. Colorado's down. My apologies. Kansas City's down. Mm, Cincinnati and Detroit barely changed. Oakland's up 13%. Yankees are up 8.9%. Dodgers, 3%. Red Sox, 4%. Cubs are about even. Houston's up 3%. Uh, family four to see a Tampa Bay Rays game, one seventy nine eighty six, up five point nine percent. Pirates one eighty three point eight six, up four point one percent. Attendance down two hundred percent. Just kidding. All right, so thought that was interesting. Uh, next week, uh, Devin Still is going to be hosting a golf tournament. We all know about his story about Liam and 
We welcome uh, the great man back to the show. Devin, welcome. It's so great to hear you again. Hey, how you doing, Steve? He's doing great. Dev, how's, how's our girl doing? How's Leah doing? Oh, man, she's doing really good. She's six years cancer-free, just enjoying life. So what grade is she in, though? Uh, she's in sixth grade now. Sixth grade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I tell everybody she's 11 going on 21. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna down the road. I'm telling you. Yep. Down yep. the road. Enjoy every minute of it. Okay. So <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit for a moment about the golf tournament coming up next week because you've got a lot going on. In fact, before I get to the golf tournament, something I actually want to get into you with because you've uh, now partnered with United Therapeutics to launch yeah. Braving Neuroblastoma. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously. Uh, as you know, during your time here, my son had been in and out of hospital because of uh, another issue. He was born with spina bifida. So, I mean, I can relate parent here, parent right. to parent right here. So I learned a lot. What did you learn? Because the whole thing had to be a learning problem. What did you learn that has really stuck with you about fighting this? It takes a community. Yep. Um, like initially when we went into it, it was like we we spent a lot of time in our room in the hospital just trying to figure out, you know, what we were going to do, how we were going to move forward. But I realized the more I went out and I went to the family room where people ate and I had a chance to speak to other families, it's like you can bounce ideas off of each other. And mm-hmm. having that community to help you go through that is crucial because you need that type of support to help lift you up in times where you're just feeling down. Because when you're sitting there as the parent, Mm-hmm. You feel like you're alone. And then when you go yeah. to a room like that, you don't feel alone anymore. You're like, wait a minute. Okay, other people are experiencing this as well. Is that how you felt? That's exactly how I felt. Like, I, I took it personal. Like, I know one of the things that, you know, make you have an optimistic, uh, pessimistic view um, on life is just when you make things personal, where you feel like you're the only person who's going through it. But having that community, like you said, it shows, look, I'm not the only one that's going through this. And maybe I can sit down and talk with somebody who understands what I'm going through so we can help navigate this journey together. Being a, a, an athlete, being a football player, being around a football program, what kind of payoff did that have for you as a parent because you were always in a community of like-minded people? Did that help? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just being in, in, in that type of environment, I can tell you this, it it allowed me to, number one, shift my focus from my reality, like being inside the locker room with other players, um, fostering those relationships just really helped me escape, you know, the stresses of the real world that I was going through. So having those type of relationships were it, it's essential um, in helping me along that journey. Now, you can then, when everything's done, you can say, okay, oh, good, we did this, we survived, she's cancer-free, you right. got it. Yet you have continued the fight for others what is it in you that said you know what okay i know everything has been going quote great for us what is it in you that says you need to continue the fight for others i'm gonna be honest with you steve like when when we first started this journey um especially when leah went into remission we continued to go back into hospitals and and visit with families and Mm -hmm. it was extremely hard for me to do that because it was like we suffered from survivor's remorse. Like a lot of the families and the children we meet, 
unfortunately they haven't survived. So just being in that and getting a reminder of what could possibly happen to Leah, I really struggle with that. And then not to mention just hearing the, the IV machines going off. It just like kept bringing back bad memories. But I, I realized that, you know, we're not just doing this for us, that when we decided to go public, we were doing it to help out not only our family, but other families who were going through this battle. So just because Leah's fight with cancer is over, it doesn't mean that the fight against childhood cancer is over. So with United Therapeutics, first of all, the incredible group to be partnered with. So what are some of the elements that you want to do in the education, and where do they come into play with this? Yeah. So when if people look back at my interviews when I was with the Bengals, like one thing that I would constantly say in my interviews was, I wish there was a playbook to help you navigate this journey. Because I felt like I was just thrown into the water, and I was just figuring out as we go. And, you know, wherever there's ignorance, there's experimentation. And I experimented a lot along that journey. Um, And then I recently found out about United Therapeutics and their their book series of how they're able to walk families through the diagnosis, what to expect during treatment, and what to expect post-treatment. Um, and when I found out that there was an actual playbook out there, I just wanted to use my platform to really share that with other families who are battling neuroblastoma because I know how much I needed that when I was going through that process. And also fundraisers like the golf tournament, which will take next week at the Penn State Blue Course. By the way, you probably sh- will just need a wedge on 14, by the way, when you play. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm telling you. <laughs> but, the gathering of that community. What do what the? My understanding was when it, when we we're talking about coaches versus cancer, we had Micah Shrewsbury, the new basketball coach here at Penn State, who's a fabulous mm-hmm. hire, and we had Scott Walker here, the general manager of the State College Spikes. And Scott made the statement that because of the the pandemic, the cancer research financially may have been set back anywhere from five to ten yeah. years. Is that what yeah. you're hearing as well, Devin? Yeah, I am. It, we, we've taken a, a huge impact for cancer research, for assistance with families, because what people have to understand is this. Um, as far as families who are battling cancer, after treatment, they lose about 40% of their annual household income due to cancer treatment, work-related disruption. Mm-hmm. Parents have to take off of work in order to be at the hospital, so they suffer financially. And then to have the pandemic on top of this where people were just being laid off completely, now you may have had households who only had one person working to now nobody's working, and they're struggling to pay bills. And that's where the Still Strong Foundation comes in, and we're able to support them. Um, although we were able to answer um, every single request we had this past year, which is a blessing in itself, more families are in need right now more than ever to help them support themselves financially. And this is where an event like the golf tournament comes in, because what you're trying to do is raise money and then literally hand people the cash they need. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Our fundraisers are where we raise money, and all that money goes to support, financially support families who are battling cancer with household bills, such as the mortgage, rent, car payments, groceries, utilities, whatever they need, we step up in that moment so that they can stop focusing on trying not to lose everything uh, materialistically, and they can focus on being in the hospital and championing their child to victory. All right, not let's not forget what a not a good, but what a great 
college player Devin still was. I mean, the, I mean, the first two defensive tackles in the history of the Big Ten to win Defensive Player of the Year were Jared Godrick and Devin Still. All right. Uh, so I mean, I've never forgotten that, my man. You, are, I mean, uh, just tremendous. How do you watch today's game? When you watch the NFL, you watch a college game. How do you watch it as a former player, especially one that excelled the way you did? Man, I, I just it, it brings back a lot of memories of where I was at mentally and in my college careers, and just seeing you know the opportunities that these players have um, available to them by being a part of. You know, programs such as Penn State. Although over, you know, the past couple of years since I, well, I won't even say past couple of years because it's been about 10, 11 years. Uh, but since I played in the Big Ten, you can see that the game has changed so much where when I was in school, it was a lot of ground and pound yep. in the Big Ten. That's what we was known for. Yep. Now it's a lot more, you know, trick plays, passing and stuff like that. But it's just interesting to see how the game is evolving. Yeah, but it would be for you. It would be an opportunity for more sacks. You and I both know that. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. More, more opportunity. No, for no defensive player is going to turn sacks down. <laughs> ever, ever, you're going to turn that down. Uh, you know, Penn State's going to play a, a, a whiteout game. You were around during the early days of whiteouts here at Penn State. Mm-hmm. You know? So what was you know what was that like for you, especially something that new at that time when you played in some of the early ones? Yeah. You know what's crazy, Steve? The, the, the videos on YouTube of the whiteout is what helped me so much my first two years at Penn State. Yeah. Um, because I, I suffered uh, my ACL my freshman year, and then I broke my leg oh, yeah. my sophomore year. That's right. And it was a struggle. Yeah, it was a struggle mentally. And to keep myself going and forward focused, I would always watch the whiteout games on YouTube in my dorm room just telling myself I got to get to that moment where I can experience that and be out there um, with the team. And I remember my second year when I broke my leg, we had a whiteout game against Ohio State. Yeah. And it was the craziest environment I have ever been a part of <laughs> in my life. And I never forgot that. And I hold, I held on to that. I savored that memory in you know, my rehab to push myself to get back out there and play in front of it. And when I finally did, it was the best feeling ever. Well, uh, one more time, uh, how can people continue to help out and get involved in this tournament, but also in your initiatives? Well, well, everything that they can do to support what we have going on, they can visit the stillstrongfoundation.org to find out information um, about the golf tournament, to find out about other events that we're having, volunteer opportunities and ways that they can donate. Just have to visit stillstrongfoundation.org. And they have now partnered with United Therapeutics to launch Braving Neuroblastoma. Special as always, my friend. It is great to ha- just to hear your voice on the other end. And you give Lee a big hug for me, okay? I will. It was good to hear from you. Devin Still. Oh, I remember when he was still at Penn State and bring little Leah in. Oh. She's in sixth grade now. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely amazing. We will take a break. Wrap it up in a moment, as only we can, on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, so time to wrap it up. We had a lot of fun today on the show. The crushing blow of no Doug Bowl. That was crushing. 
just was. It's, now they're playing some directional school. I don't know. Everybody's like scrambling to find tape. Who are these people? Uh, high school football roundtable fun. Reese Davis fun. Devin Still, great to have him on the show. And of course, tomorrow the King will be on the show. Finally, down to the uh, nitty gritty on this one. We've got James Franklin. Uh, James going to be with us about 90 minutes over at the field. Um, and the uh, Jeff Campersall, the women's ice hockey coach, is going to be, I believe it or not, they're starting their season. And this is the year, by the way, that Penn State hosts the women's Frozen Four at Pagula. So we'll talk with Jeff about that. His team is is picked to win the CHA this year. They got uh, four first-place votes. Syracuse had one. Jeff voted for Syracuse. Why do I know that? You're not allowed to vote for your team, and Syracuse got the other vote. So it's obviously it's Jeff's vote. And that's where everything is. You know, the uh, the Yankees are the Yankees out of Oriole games now. Sadly, yes. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of like your salvation, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. It was needed. Uh, that's sad, man. Yeah. That is sad. You get. You need that team. In fact, they need to schedule the Orioles 50 times. They'll get them to the playoffs. <laughs> well, it's right in front of them now. One more series in Boston. One more series in Toronto. And then you got the Rays to finish off the season. So uh, it's not going to be easy for the for the Yanks here to try to get a wild card spot. Well, well, here's the problem they have, and this goes back to what, it, in all seriousness, remember we talked about this where the Yankees had a really favorable schedule till the end. They didn't take advantage of it. Nope. Not one bit. So, yeah, that that's a problem. That is a problem. But this not. So, we'll see how it plays out. Um... And that's where uh, that's where they are. These are, you know, this is. Yeah, one more with the O's tonight. Actually, in like ten minutes. First pitch is five oh five. Oh, they got the Orioles again tonight. Yes. Then they had the Indians this weekend. Is this like baseball's way of trying to hand it to them, or what? <laughs> Maybe. I I don't know. Sad. Yeah, then the Rangers for three games. Well, the Rangers aren't very good. Oh, I'm sorry, for two games. Wow. So, yeah, okay. you'd think they can take it. Hopefully they can take advantage of that. Then you've got the big one with the Red Sox. The Giants are playing Washington tonight in a game befitting... NFL Network. All right, so um, yeah, what a way to start Thursday night football. Uh, yeah. well, they they started last week, but I mean, with the NBC game, Tampa Bay and Dallas was actually a really good game. But my goodness, 
Uh, Is it bad that I still kind of like Washington tonight? <laughs> well, I would I would think so because of their defense. The problem is the Giants are, are so poorly constructed offensively. I mean, Saquon doesn't have a chance to do anything. I mean, he doesn't have a chance to do anything out there. I was a little surprised how bad they were last last week against Denver because that's not a very good team either. No. And they got shellacked at home. Game wasn't even close. So, all right. That's, I mean, that's... It is what it is. Uh, no matter what you look at Washington, Heineke, a quarterback. I mean, I mean, it's not like Gibson's not a... I mean, Gibson's a good player. McLaurin's a good player. Heineke's okay. But their defense, especially their front, is, Washington's front's really exceptional. Really exceptional. Sweat's just great. Young's great. I mean, they got some players. Yeah, that's that's where the Giants are really going to struggle. That front is going to give them all sorts of trouble tonight. We'll have our picks tomorrow. How, how are we doing on the picks? Uh, how did everything go last week? Um, I know you're in the lead now by – we're each separated by two games now. Okay. I don't remember exact records off the top of my head, but I know we're all separated by two games. You in first, me second, King third. Okay. King is going to act desperate tomorrow. He's then going to start. He's then <laughs> going to start me. making. He's going to start making reckless picks. Yes, exactly. Because he quote needs to get back in it. Well, he did it already from day one. Because he wanted to try to be different. See, I, I can I can understand that, but to me, when I do these picks, I just got to go with my true, honest feeling on the game. That's yeah, all. Yeah, but you, but you, but see, you pick with hate. <laughs> eh, sometimes. And I mean, and you sit there and you, I mean, you start picking this stuff, and. Your mind is telling you one thing, but you hate either the uniform, the helmet, the color scheme, the quarterback, the city. Something enters in where you just can't you can't pull the trigger. <laughs> well, it's like you with Dallas, which I actually respect. That's just that's just having a standard in life. That's not hate. <laughs> Excellent point. Today's show is sponsored by our good friends at Sunbury Motors.